Hello, everybody, and good morning. Welcome into the great Scott Show, the great sports callers, open think tank. Coming at you on a Thursday morning, which means I'm joined by none other than the host of the morning lock-in, Mr. Norman Locke, coming to us. Uh, He's not in studio with me this morning, but he is here on the air through the magic of radio. Good morning, Norm. How are you? Whoa, good morning, Scott. So is the hardest part about not being in studio that you don't get to see such a handsome face sitting across from you? See, I think that's that's your problem. Like, you don't get to see me. <laughs> that's what I think it is, you know. We only get to see each other maybe once a, once a week, and I think, you you know, without seeing my budding bright face and smile, I don't think you get through the week just as, as well. Yeah, you know, social distancing, everybody. You need to do it right now. Um, tell you what, uh, there are a lot of college basketball programs currently on pause due to COVID-19. Now, the Cajun men's basketball team is not one of them. However, their first opponent is, and as a result, they're, uh, they're not able to play their game next Wednesday. Uh, the women's team does have uh, some COVID uh, issues that they're dealing with, so their uh, their first game, their first two games, have uh, have been canceled. So with that, uh, your first scheduled men's game is set for uh, a week from this Saturday, uh, and uh, we'll see if that one goes off. But in the meantime, you know, I, you want to read more about it. All the details are over at our website and our app. The football game, of course. Uh, Norm, you started to kind of ke- catch word yesterday morning and texted me that you were hearing the game was likely going to be canceled, and sure enough, it uh, it was due to some uh, COVID-19 and contact tracing within the program. 33 players are uh, in protocol, and uh, when asked yesterday how many of those actually tested positive, uh, Dr. Maggard said it's around 50-50. Now, it can't be a square 50-50 because it's an odd number, but... You get the drift. We're talking 16, 17, something like that. So that's a pretty big number. Then you add in the contact tracing, and uh, unfortunately that happened. They won't have your traditional senior day uh, this Saturday, although senior day would feel kind of – I mean, you know Levi Lewis is coming back, so would you go out and do the senior day thing with the family knowing you're coming back? I don't know. I don't know. But unfortunately for them, they won't have a chance to. Um, But they've already got the the West locked up, Norm, and – in the meantime, we'll see if, you know, their, their hope is that they can get back in the facility Saturday and get ready for a game against ULM on the 28th. Time will tell, but um, it, 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 I guess at some point it felt like it was going to happen. Is that fair to say? I wouldn't say it felt like it was going to happen. I'm going to say it was just players started getting symptoms, uh, pretty much late and late into the week and um you know friends of my little brother just it was just like you know it hit the campus really 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 hard and you know I can't really put my finger on it saying you know it was just the players or UL might not be following protocols but it just seems like the entire started last week with the band and it just kind of progressed and it's kind of just, you know, this is the first time that, I mean, UL even reports this is the highest numbers of self-reported cases and confirmed cases on campus. 
I just think, you know, it was a ticking time bomb with Halloween and homecoming. And this is just, you know, the times that we are in. Yeah. You know, you can, you can do everything right and still get it. You can do a lot of things wrong and somehow skate by, but, but obviously you can get it. I mean, it's, it's just where we're at right now. You're seeing it happen. Um, just rising cases here in this area, something to keep an eye on. Uh, and, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll circle back to that. But uh, in the meantime, you won't have as much breakdown of the Cajun football team and that you and I usually break down a number of things, including the upcoming opponent and the game and, and things like that. But, um, look, they're ranked in the top 25. They've won the West, and uh, they still have some big goals in front of them. They just won't be playing this Saturday. I mean, it's that simple. Yeah, it's that simple. Like, once the lock, the, the West was locked up, you know, other than senior night, you know, some of the seniors that won't probably continue their collegiate football career, that's the kind of the guys that you kind of feel for. Um, you know, like you said, you got guys like who going to come back next season and you got, you know, a bunch of guys who are going to come back next season and maybe have a normal type of senior season, you know, given the end. But I feel for those guys who, you know, just – probably going to go into the working world or maybe apply for graduate school and they don't get that that senior night official feel when your parents come in and you take those pictures with your jersey on and you know I just it just sucks for them you know ESPN1420.com I'm Scott Prather that is Norman Locke we do have open phone lines this morning at 269 10 77 gonna talk a little nfl and nba as well and uh norm before we get into the draft and uh give everyone the complete rundown of draft assets the pelicans have for the next seven years because it is a <laughs> long list um i think that you know the a couple things you didn't have that generational superstar in this year's draft the draft is happening. Know. The draft is happening in November. Uh, it did not have, and you know, the Pelicans were thirteenth. They weren't one overall. But it, you know, the draft didn't have your your typical um, fanfare. I don't know. I mean, just headlines. I know everyone was anxious. There was there was promises of lots of trades, of including like big name players, but. That, that that happened a little. If you want to talk about Horford and the pot, but it just it didn't quite uh, measure up to maybe what some had hoped for. You know, break out your popcorn. And another reason why is unfortunately, you know, the big story yesterday in the NBA is Clay Thompson suffering a lower left in- injury during a scrimmage uh, in Southern California. And Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports, um, through his sources, reporting that Thompson suffered a quote significant Achilles injury, end quote. He hadn't played in 519 days. Remember, he tore his left ACL in the 2019 NBA Finals, went, hit a uh, hit a free throw, hit two free throws after, then went into the, to the locker room, and uh, we hadn't seen him since. Warriors lost that series. We didn't see him last year, and the idea of the Warriors and their dynasty possibly going away uh, with with Kevin Durant leaving, but now you figure, look, if if Curry and Clay and and Draymond are healthy, this is a team that's won championships without Durant. They can still be dynastic. You don't have Clay Thompson, you can forget about being dynastic. He's that good. And now, when you're talking about potentially suffering a serious injury on the other leg, 
and he's 30 and he might not play this year. Oosh, man, I, I, I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to see that same Clay Thompson ever again. Yeah, and you know that was one of my biggest worries about Clay and KD is you know basketball players coming back from leg injuries. Right now, today, historically, it doesn't pan out well. We, you know, people like to go back and say, yo, Boogie Cousins, you know, he's a big body, he's a big frame. Well, he has more muscle and more weight to carry himself and to train and to, to, you know, heal, but he's still re-injured multiple, multiple times. And And Clay is a person that gets in his chair, plays defense, runs up and down the court. Coming back from his ACL injury, I knew he was going to be a step slower, but he's a shooter, so we all expected his scoring to be back. But my thing is his lateral movement. And as he trained to get back, the other leg starts to suffer. And then, you know, that, that's my biggest fear with Kevin Durant out there in Brooklyn is as soon as he gets back in the, into the full of things, the other opposite leg is going to have some type of injury. Yeah, you overcompensate one with the other. Uh, is James Harden going to end up in Brooklyn, Norm? I don't think so. Just because Houston has three years. I mean, James Harden has three years left on the deal. You can't truly force Houston to make a move right now because you're going you're to have to sit two, two old seasons of not playing basketball, playing unwilling basketball, which is not good for your brand, uh, James Harden's brand. And then... I feel like you you want you want to get the biggest haul, and I I don't think the Brooklyn Nets can give the Houston Rockets the biggest haul. And me, I'm a believer with superstar trades in the NBA. The team that gets the superstar wins the trade, not the opposite way. Win, yeah, you can get a bunch of picks, but you don't know what those picks are going to be. You can get a bunch of role players on short term contracts. That's always nice, but the team that gets the star player wins the trade nine out of ten times. I, I just. I get it's a, it's a star-driven league and, and player empowerment is bigger than ever in the NBA. I also think if a guy who has several years left on his deal and, you know, is on a team that basically built their entire roster around him and gave him everything he wanted and he says, I want you to trade me into this place and only this place, and it happens – is that is that a good or bad thing for the future of the league? Because it is star driven, and yet, you know, you don't want to have twenty five teams being, you know, a farm system for five teams. Yeah, no, I think it's a horrible thing just because it's going to start showing what is a contract. If three years into your contract, most deals are four to five years. If three years left on a four year or five year deal, you could just go to the front office and say, "I don't like it. Trade me." That's totally or, unfair or, or to trade the franchise. Or trade me, but only to this place and nowhere else. Yeah, like, I will send you to basketball hell. Don't make me make you a Nick. <laughs> uh, ain't no stopping Obi Toppin. He was, he was happy to be a Nick, man. Of course, he's uh, he's from NYC. ESPN1420.com. My thing with Harden is, like, he, in Houston, Houston, like, everything Maury did is not there anymore was like they built it all. The offense was completely centered around Harden. He held the ball last year. Every single Houston pose- offensive possession, the ball was in Harden's hand more than 50% of the time. The entire season, more than half of the time, the basketball was actually in his hands. 
They tried different things. It worked in the regular season. It, 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 it almost worked in the postseason, but not quite. Then it's like, all right, well, let's try something else. So they bring in Chris Paul, and Paul didn't really like playing with Harden all that much, and Harden didn't really like playing. All right, let's 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 try something else. All right, give what Russell Westbrook a shot. Well, that didn't work. But, like, they have given up all the assets. They've paid them, you know, just, you know, at the time he signed that first one, the biggest contract ever. Uh, he's an MVP. Like, everything was built for him and now if you just are like peace and you leave them and they take on a bad contract just to get rid of you to send you somewhere that you want to go and a lot of their draft assets are gone, it's kind of like, man, I you know, player empowerment, but you're also leaving this team completely just holding an empty bag and they're in trouble. Risks some teams have to take. And look, don't get me wrong. I, I, don't, I don't root for the Rockets. So from a personal standpoint, I necessarily wouldn't feel bad for the franchise because they are in a big market and they do – you know, attract free agents or have a little bit more to attract free agents than some of your smaller markets like a Sacramento or New Orleans or Milwaukee or something like that. But I just, I feel like if it if Harden leaves, Houston's going to be in a really tough spot if they end up trading him to, 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 to the Nets. I really believe it's going to take Houston a while to, to be able to turn around from that. Yeah, see, I'm kind of on the fence with it all because it's – with them building this roster, Daryl Moore building this roster around James Harden, and if you look at the roster right now today, this team isn't good enough. That the they didn't improve. Uh, you know, they didn't get the third star or scoring uh, person. I mean, they traded for Trevor Ariza to kind of make James Harden happy, but Trevor Ariza's old. You know, and I think they already. I think roster, they, yeah, and they just they just traded him last night, so now he's going elsewhere. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like uh, this roster isn't about to compete for a championship. Like, this roster isn't good. The only way to make this roster better would have to – we have to trade either Westbrook or Harden. And it's looking like if I'm the Rockets, I'd rather blow it up both. I'll trade both of them. Like, give me – It's it's harder to train a guy when when he says, I I only want to go to this place and I don't want to commit, you know, to anywhere else. But – you send him somewhere else. Yeah. Okay, you have you have two you have three years left, but the third year is a player mm-hmm. option. So you got two years at, at this high high cost. Uh, yeah. And and if he says, "Look, I don't want to be there," I mean, it's just I don't know. It's a it's it's a raptor the, situation. The, the, what you get back in return is just not going to be not going to be as good. But yeah, I mean, that, to your point, that's you what, know, if it works out and you win a title, but that's a very, I mean, the Raptors are the exception, not the norm. Norm. Well, no, it's it's really the risk. Like the Raptors were one of the teams that took the risk. I can't say it's an exception unless somebody else, you know, unless a situation comes to to for swishing <laughs> that it's the same. So with James Harden having two years left with the player option on the third, he could get sent to any other team. He's gonna have to play somewhere. So right now, him invoking, I only want to play this place or I won't resign. Well, James, you're gonna you're gonna have to play t- two two of the years wherever we send you. That's why it's like Houston truly holds the power. It's just if they want to invoke the power on okay, a player acts quote unquote nicely. He wants to go to Brooklyn. Let's just facilitate it. Uh, no, I'm about to send you to Detroit. <laughs> Get all these picks. Or uh, I'm about to send you to the to the Knicks. Like I I'm sending. I'm sending the players whoever I get the most haul for the player, and then I'm telling him, James, thank you for your service. ESPN1420.com. 
Norman Locke, our guest, uh, as he is every Thursday, host of the morning lock-in Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. Uh, college hoops, Norm, we mentioned uh, the Rage of Cajuns and um, their games being uh, canceled, uh, their openers anyway. Um, you know, uh, the, the the men were scheduled to play Xavier of New Orleans next Wednesday. That's canceled due to, uh, to COVID-19 issues within the Xavier program. And then uh, the men are now scheduled to open on Saturday, November 28th. The women's program, Gary Broadhead squad, had to uh, cancel their game on the 25th as well as their game slated for November 30th due to some COVID-19 issues within the program. So that's that's your uh, kind of housekeeping notes. But in terms of, of the Cajun basketball team with, look, you, you got Cedric Russell – uh, you know, you know what he brings to the table. Malik Wilson, I, 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 I mean, he's a really good player. New Gaze is seen. You brought in a lot of new pieces, though, a lot of new faces. And I know you're starting out with some injuries on this team with uh, Kobe Julian and Durrell, Dury Catwell. But <clears throat> I've asked a lot of people like their feel for Cajun hoops this season, just with the odd schedule, a big roster turnover. How are you feeling about Coach Marlin and this squad this year, Norm? I really like this squad, Scott. I think this guy can I mean this squad can be dynamic. I think they're gonna get up and down the floor and I think they could, could possibly be box office with, with a few flashy dunks and alley oops and I, I think this team could be really, 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 really nice. Um, but you know, the biggest thing is is what is what what would this basketball season look like? That's my biggest question. But I I, I am excited for this Cajuns basketball team. I expect them, even with the early injuries, to be a good basketball team and compete for the Sunbelt Championship this year. And, uh, you know, we got news this week that uh, they signed from uh, Golden State College uh, the, you know, a top 100 senior recruit in the country. Um, somebody that had, I think, you know, Brock Morris, assistant coach, was working hard on that recruit. But Ty Harper signing with the Cajuns, that's a that's a big note as well for this week. That's a big get for Louisiana right there. And we had the the a hometown commit. Yeah, Joe, uh, commit Joe Charles, that, uh, you know, from Karen Crow signed as well. So it's um it, it's it's big, you know. It's big right now. Uh I think you know, a lot of folks look at Coach Marlin and his squad and say, all right, you know, you kind of got to get something done this year. It's a it's a weird schedule this year, but I do think it's really just about chemistry at this point. And if this team has good chemistry, then I think they have the talent to do some pretty good things in conference play. Yeah, it's just it seems like we, you know, we're in a golden age of sports right now in uh, Lafayette. We got the basketball team future looks bright we have the cajuns just won the sunbelt west we got the softball team with the number one recruiting class in the country what a time to be a cajun scott yeah no doubt the women's basketball team as well i think gary broadhead squad i think they're gonna finish my prediction is probably second in the sunbelt i think he's got a good i think he's got a strong roster this year um i think kimberly burton is when healthy special player brandy williams is really good um you know, I mean, Ty Doucette, obviously. I mean, she's she's awesome. So, you know, it's her senior year. I know Gary Broadhead's anxious, but I I, I think in terms of wins and losses, um, there's going to be a lot more in the W than the L column. I think Gary Broadhead's squad is going to be really good this year as well, Norm. No, I'm I'm with you. I always enjoy. It's just maybe it's just me, 
But I've always enjoyed the intensity of the women's basketball games. I, I don't know. It just feels like them girls are always, you know, sometimes guys take plays off, but it feels like the women always are on 10. And even on the bench, it's like all the players are always actively in the game, cheering on their teammates. So I, I love women's basketball games. ESPN I know you, you was talking about my WNBA hoodie. You were wearing that last week when we talked to Gary Broadhead on the squad. You were rocking the <laughs> WNBA hoodie. Uh, all right, 20 minutes after the hour. That's Norman Locke uh, coming to us from Parts Unknown. I'm Scott Prather in the studio. When we come back, Jameis Winston. How how will things look for the Saints with Jameis? Or I guess maybe we should call it Tamus. Taysom and Jameis maybe getting some snaps, but I think Jameis will be the guy for the Saints. How different is it going to look in terms of the offense this year versus Teddy Bridgewater last year? The latest update to Drew Brees and his injury. We'll let you hear that from Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. And uh, we're going to need a spreadsheet to uh, give you all the draft capital the Pels have in coming drafts. And the one player that they drafted last night that they kept the rights to. I think some of the overreaction on social media one way or the other is uh, is a bit off the mark, but I'll explain why. It's all coming your way. Scott Prather, Norman Locke. It's the Great Scott Show Thursday morning. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. What is this, Scott? TTT throwback right there. Uh, man, I've never heard this in my life. Oh, man. <laughs> I broke it out on Terrible Tune Tuesday a few years ago, and then a few days later over at Russo Park when uh, the opposing team was having a meeting at the mound between the coach and the pitcher, they uh, they blared it. It was it was fantastic. <laughs> it was it's a perfect thing to play. I guess. The opposing team, the coach is going out to talk to the pitcher. He's having some problems. You just... <laughs> oh man, good stuff. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Uh, a couple of things before we we jump back into it here on the Great Scott Show. Um, seize the deal happening right now. First of all, tomorrow, uh, twelve dollars fifty cents gets you twenty five dollars to to Carabas. That place is awesome. I love it. Good Italian food. Right now, though, the holiday auction is happening. If you're not sure how to get there, look, you can go to ESPN1420.com or the ESPN1420 app. You'll see if you scroll at the top what's hot bar, holiday auction. Just click on that and talk about some pretty amazing things you can get. What I love about it is just, you know, you you get a lot more. $3,000 gift certificate toward, let's say, body work or ceramic protect service. Three, right now, a bid of $1,200. You might get it. Maybe you got termites, twenty five hundred dollar gift certificate to termite treatment. Right now, the bid is a thousand, so you can get 
you know, more than a hundred and up up to potentially one hundred and fifty percent more value for some of these things that you pay for. But go take a look. They got look. It's not just that. I mean, they got auto and home stuff. They got health and beauty stuff. They got retail. They got sports and outdoors stuff. It is um, is terrific stuff. You know, and and a great way to uh, to save. A lot of money for sure. So uh, go check it out. And, you know, with the holidays coming up, and I know things are tight for a lot of folks, pretty good way to save some money. So just going to say that as well. All right, let's get back into it here. Scott Prather, Norman Locke. Norm, can you uh, give me a rundown of uh, all of the Pelicans' future uh, picks that they have the rights to? It seems like they got <laughs> picks 1 through 10 for the next four years. No, so. So here, so last night the Pelicans had a number of picks. They uh, they traded the rights to twenty four overall, uh, which was RJ Hampton, sent them to Denver. They had some second round picks as well. They sh- they they shipped those out as well for some future picks. So here is a look. Okay, the Lakers twenty twenty one first round pick is uh, eight through thirty protected and unprotected in twenty twenty two. Um, so for the sake of simplicity, let's just say they have the Lakers 2022 first round pick. Cause I don't think the Lakers are going to be drafting one through seven next year. Um, no. so in 2021, so now that we got that out there in 2021, the Pelicans have their first Cleveland second, Washington second, and the lesser of the Pelicans and bulls second, because the bulls own the swap rights with Dola 2022 Pelicans have their first, the Lakers first Pelicans second, Cleveland second, and the jazz is second. 2023, the Pelicans have the swap rights with the Lakers, so they can swap their first for their for the Lakers' first, depending on it. They have the Nuggets' first, which is lottery-protected, so probably will have it because the Nuggets will likely be in the postseason, so something between 17 and 30. They have the Wizards' second. They have the Pelicans' second, and if it falls 46 to 60, it goes to the Hawks. Okay, that's late. 2024, they have uh, swap rights with the Bucks. They have the Lakers' first, which if they don't want it, they could defer to 2025, depending on how high it is or if it's not, you know, to their liking. They have their own second and Charlotte's second. In 2025, they have their first. They have the Bucks first. They have their second. In 2026, they have the swap rights with the Bucks. They can swap it. Hey, look, we prefer this, so we're going to go ahead and take your pick. They also have their second. In 2027, they have their first, the Bucks first, and the Pelicans second. That is a lot of future capital. They're also owed future second-round picks from the Charlotte Hornets and the Utah Jazz. The exact details of it are uh, are, are pending. Um, no, I think I think we learned that last night. I think I mentioned it. Twenty twenty-two Utah, twenty twenty-four Charlotte. So, man, uh, you, you go from the previous regime that seemed like they never. I mean, we used to watch the draft and say. Okay, they have one second rounder. It's Pierre Jackson out of Baylor. Hopefully, he'll be the steal of the second round and make the team, and he never plays for the team. Like it, it, Times are changing when it comes to the Pelicans and the NBA draft, Norm. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do with all these picks because all these players, all these picks aren't going to play for the Pelicans. So it's like, are we loading up to – you know, maybe if we have a good season this season, next season, we could go all in and we can flip the picks for some type of great player. I don't I don't know, but I'm trusting the process. I know we got hella picks, so hopefully somebody pans out out of one of these million bajingle picks. 
I think, too, you know, when you think down the line, there's a chance that they're not all that valuable. There's also a chance they're extremely valuable. Um, you know, the, the Celtics had swap rights and ended up, you know, getting uh, Jason Tatum out of it. Um, and they had the number one overall pick. They flipped it to Philly, who took Markel Fultz. But uh, the Celtics got the better end of that one. But they wouldn't have even been in that position had they not made some deals with the Nets years prior. So, look, maybe the Bucks are really good in 2027. Maybe they're awful and it's the number one overall pick. Maybe the same thing is in 2025 or 2026. Maybe the Lakers, once LeBron is 40 and, you know, things aren't as good over there anymore um, and, and he's out of the league, you know, you swap rights for a pick or you have their first overall pick in 2024 or 2025 if you want. So I know that's down the line. Or maybe you don't own those anymore, but they're part of what you sent to a team to acquire a player you really, really wanted because he fit with your team, it was a star, whatever it might be. To have all of these, to your point, no, they are not all going to be on the team. Second-rounders don't even have guaranteed contracts, and the Pelicans shipped off three picks last night. It looks like they're planning on keeping one, that being Kyra Lewis. Scouting report on him is extremely fast. I'd be lying to you if I said I watched Alabama basketball games last year. I did not, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you anything other than, look, I watched some stuff on YouTube. I read some stuff last night. He's really, 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 really fast. So good for him on that front. You know, I think the the strength is fastest player on the draft uh, in the open court and his first step in the half court. His weaknesses, you know, I mean, he's he's a, he's a buck seventy, right? He needs to add some weight. Not the best finisher at the rim. Fades away from contact. So, um, you know, who's to say he's ever even going to be a core piece? But right now, Norm, Pelicans have. Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Kyra Lewis, and J.J. Redick all as guards. Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Darius Miller at wings, Zion, Nico Melli, Jackson Hayes as bigs. Um, you got free agency beginning tomorrow. I, I, I expect a lot of movement right now. The guys that I just read you, some of those guys will not be on the roster next week. Uh, they're going to be traded, and other guys will be brought in and signed. I just don't see the Pels keeping all of those guards on the team. Uh, who do you think is most likely to be moved here in the next week? I think J.J. and uh, I hate to say it, but I think Ball might be gone too. Um, uh, if we still loading up our picks and put trust into this process, I think we can flip both of those players for a, maybe to another first-round pick, late first-round pick, or for sure two more second-round picks. But I can't see I can't see JJ and Lonzo Ball staying on this team going forward. I well, think uh, yeah. unless yeah. unless um, Eric, I mean, unless Blitzel gets traded also. But I thought Blitzel would be traded last night, so. It makes me think, makes me wonder, maybe he is in the plans of going forward. I think Reddick and Ball are both going to be on the roster. Um, I think I think Stan Van's high on Ball. Uh, and for Reddick, I, I just I don't think there's any way he's going because you've got a very young team, right? You've got a new coach coming in who's 61 and doesn't know these players. Reddick is somebody I think you and I would both agree is very respected in that locker room. And now a Drew gone is kind of the veteran all those guys are looking to, no? 
Yes, and but he played. And he played for Stan Vick, you know. So he's kind of like you no, know, hundred percent. I, I think I think that's really really important. Um, I don't know. I I, I think someone's gonna be My- traded, but but at this point, we just went through all the draft capital. If they move one of those guys, don't you? you th- I think it might be for a player. I don't know that it's gonna be for picks at this point. He, he, well, that's why I. I my question to you is what would be the rotation if we do keep JJ Reddick and Lonzo Ball? Do you think that those two guys going forward would put the best five men on the floor or or six men on the floor? Yeah, I mean look, Reddick last year started some games, came off the bench for others. He started when Lonzo was hurt and not playing, and then when Lonzo was healthy, uh, Reddick came off the bench, but oftentimes he was part of the finishing five. Um, he he worked, you know, worked well with Zion because you know you can stretch with the shooting. Um, but uh, it, it, you know, a big part of that just depends on on what they do here over the next forty eight hours. Um, I think that it, you know to answer your question is going to be a big part of it. And I I'm not I'm not completely sold yet that Bledsoe is definitely. Um, going to be on this roster. I, I he, he could potentially be moved. I think for Bledsoe, I, I think because of his postseason struggles in Milwaukee, I think some folks are maybe taking him lightly. I mean, this is a guy that at his peak was, was a pretty good player. Um, and then George Hill is a respected yeah. guy in the league that I think is a better fit for this team at least. Look, if you – the problem the, – the issue with Bledsoe in my mind is – uh, he can be ball dominant at times, but he he can he can soak up a good bit of offense, and you want the offense, I think, to run through Ingram and Zion the most. You know, George Hill is more off the ball, really good three point shooter, can can play point guard when you need, can play can play the two when you need. I think even though he's older and not perhaps a better overall player than Bledsoe, you know, it's like oh, if they're playing one on one, yeah, you take Bledsoe. But in terms of fit. I think he might be a fit, and again, he's a veteran that I think is is definitely respected around the league and some of the young guys. So I, I could I think Bledsoe is probably going to be on the move. I don't I would not bet today that he's on the Pelicans roster um, when the season tips off and shoot a little over a month. It's right around the corner. Well, my question to you would be: Well, who would be the four guards to start the season for the Pelicans? Give me your starting point guard. Your backup, your starting shooting guard, and your backup. Um, so you could you could you can start hard at the two if you want, or you could start Redick there. As of now, you know we'll see we'll see what they add. Okay. Um, but I think Lonzo is your starter. George Hill would be your backup, and then you've got you know Nikhil and Lewis kind of at the back of the bench, two young guys basically duking it out to see who's going to be a better fit long term. Um. You know, I, I know some folks are down on Nikhil, but everybody was ready to crown him as this great, you know, rookie of the year candidate after summer league. I mean, that's one thing we won't get this year. No summer <laughs> league, so we're not going to overreact to anything like we did last year. Uh, but that that's what that's what it would look like right now. Um, now, if Bledsoe's on the roster, well, I, think, so I, think, I think I think Bledsoe. Um, I think I think Jackson is. I think he's probably. Uh, I think he's probably gone. Gone. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know, Frank is more, you know, he kind of, 
needs the ball a good bit. He's not as effective off the ball. Um, and I, again, just when you look at the fit with Zion and Brandon Ingram, is who you want to build this team around. I just, I don't know, man. And this is the last year of his deal coming up, so I could see Frank Jackson being moved. Um, you know, and if not, he'll be kind of back of the roster. I'm not. I, I think I like Frank. I look. I've met Frank. I've talked to him. Um, I like him as as a guy, but I just don't think he's the right fit for this team. I, I can agree. I think he's more of a fan favorite. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't even say a fan favorite. I think the fans just root for Frank uh, every time he comes in just to do well. But I, I'm going to be sad to watch him go. But if I had to pick a starting point guard uh, and backup, I, I'm a wood roll with Lonzo Ball. And, well, truly, I think Blitzo because I, I hear what you're saying about he soaks up some of the offense, but – it's like Lonzo sometimes disappears in the offense. And I think that's kind of what the Pelicans are missing at times is that third score. We don't know what we're going to get with Zion's health and ability to play a full season. So we, I think we need somebody who can still go out there and go get the buckets, kind of like Brandon Ingram, just get your own bucket. I don't think Lonzo Ball or anybody else on the team other than a Zion Williams or uh, Brandon Ingram can create their own shot and get their own shots off. No, I mean, look, so I, I, I would I don't, I'm with you. I mean, I, I wouldn't want that at Alonzo Ball. That's not his game. Um, I'm. I, I look. He did not play well in the bubble, but in that stretch run before the the NBA and the rest of the sports world shut down in March, if you look at that sample size when Zion played, boy, he and Alonzo in the regular season last year really fit well together. Um, and, and Ball intentionally would try to run the offense, you know, uh, through Zion a good bit and feed it to him. Uh, somebody that can get up the floor really quick. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily Alonzo Stan, but I do think, um, I, I do think he, the best is yet to come for him. And I think, I think Stan Van's high on him, but we'll see, man. One of us is going to be wrong here in the next couple of days. So, uh, yeah, yeah, got we'll, we'll dig into that. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. All right, when we come back, Jameis, Jameis Winston, will he be judicious with the football or will he not? <laughs> uh, Drew Brees again. We'll give you the latest Ian Rappaport's latest report on uh, on Drew. You'll hear that audio when we come back as well. I can say what you want about Drew, but don't ever question that dude's toughness. I'll just say that it's ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. We'll be right back right after this. Hey, sports fans, this is Louisiana Raging Cajun head basketball coach Bob Marlin, and you're listening to Acadiana's best sports leader, ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. The Great Scott Show on Sports Radio ESPN 
Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. That is uh, Norman Locke's favorite song. It sounds like a, a good song for the gym. That is um, NFL Hall of Famer Morton Anderson and uh, wow. Brian Hansen when they were the kicker and punter for the New Orleans Saints in the 80s. Put some money together and uh, got a studio and recorded that single, Take It to the Top. It sounds like it belongs on like a new Rocky movie. <laughs> yeah, I, if that had played in an '80s Rocky movie, it wouldn't be a surprise. But uh, the '80s were a weird, weird time—a glorious time, I might add. But uh, but a weird time as well. Weird or glorious? It can't be both. Oh no, it's both, one hundred percent. As somebody that <laughs> lived it, I can say it. Uh, ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Uh, all right, uh, here's the uh, update from Ian Rappaport on Drew Brees after he got his second opinion on his rib injury. Five broken ribs and collapsed lung. Here's what Ian had to say. Well, for a quarterback, Drew Brees, this is he basically, Andrew, spent yesterday soliciting uh, second opinions and trying to understand the full extent of his injuries. And remember, he actually came into the game on Sunday with a rib, at least one rib, likely two that was already cracked, and then the hit you're seeing right there clearly exacerbated the problem. So he had his first opinion on Monday, learned he'd be out a couple weeks. And then yesterday, my understanding is that second opinion then confirmed the original opinion. So here's what we know on Drew Brees. He has cracked ribs on both sides of his body. He also has a puncture to his lung, not a collapsed lung, but a punctured lung. It's not like he was hospitalized or anything, but still a serious injury. Brees now expected to be out at least two weeks, then these Saints We'll see how he is, and as of right now, no plans to put him on injured reserve. So you're going to see a lot of Jameis Winston going forward on Sunday. Certainly going to be a fascinating, fascinating game for the Saints. Uh, so a few things to unpack there, Norm, that, that stand out to me. Um, a reminder, Drew Brees is, is, is one tough um, some bitch. <laughs> Let's just say that. But number two, <laughs> um, not going to put him on IR. So five cracked ribs and a punctured lung, and at least two weeks. To, like you could put them on IR, and he could come back. You just missed three weeks, so they think yeah. he could be back soon. I'm like, what? That that's the big surprise right there. I mean, at, you know, out for two weeks at least. Well, if you think it's going to be longer than that, you could put him on IR, open up a roster spot, but uh, but they. They think, I guess, he could possibly be back in just three weeks. That I'm not a doctor, but um, I don't believe man, it. that's 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 something, man. I I, I think we're going to see Jameis for a little while now. But it, the the one thing that is telling is not putting him on IR because at that point, let's say you wait a week. Well, now you're not going to put him on a second week because you just wasted a week where you could have had him on there. So if Rappaport's report is true and he doesn't go on IR in the next day or two, I think they're just going to ride with this and anticipate that he could be back the next time they play Atlanta or at the very least the game at Philly? Eh, we'll see, man. I don't know. What, what What's your biggest takeaway from this brief situation? Uh, well, my, my grandmother told me 
that she had broken ribs before and she said that you can't even touch your toes to tie your shoes without it hurting. So to see Drew Brees pick the ball up and throw a touchdown, I knew he had to been in pain. And like you said, he's a tough, tough SOB uh, for that. And uh, But I'm, I'm kind of worried for the old man because multiple crap ribs, a puncture lung, he's not a mobile quarterback. Interior pressure always gets to him, just like that sack that hurt him. I don't know if you want to throw him in there too early and he re-injures or he his lung gets collapsed this next time. Or, you know, does he get in too early and does he become a kind of skittish or start seeing ghosts because he's worried about re-injuring himself or not playing to a standard? You know, I think headlines kind of sometimes get in Drew Brees' head. So when that return game comes, you know, what if the Saints and the Bucks are head-to-head -head in the conference for the, 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 the division winner or the Saints or Green Bay are tied or going back and forth for that bye seat, that number one seat for that bye? I just, I don't know, Scott. I think they need to hold. If it was me, I'm holding Drew Brees out all the way to the playoffs like they like the Broncos did with Peyton Manny a couple years back. I'm I'm gonna let Jameis and Taysom and our coaching staff ride the wave of the, the rest of these games and we just we make do with Drew when we get to the playoffs. But I would need Drew fully healthy one hundred percent or close to one hundred percent before he gets back on that field. Yeah. <clears throat> and and I would I would Say that that's what's going to happen had they placed him on IR. Um, I don't think that's what they're going to do. Uh, I just, I, I maybe you see him back against Philly, maybe against Kansas City, but to your point, you better make sure he's right. Now we found out later that he actually had some crack ribs already heading into that game. Um, the team didn't diagnose him. Way to go! Hey, hats off to the Saints team doctors. Only the best player in franchise history. You didn't know that they were fractured before you put him in there against San Francisco, and then he fractured more and punctured his lung. But he got a couple of rib injuries against Tampa Bay. Was wearing that flap jacket, and um, then it just got worse. So uh, typically, look, Saints are playing the Falcons. That's that's the only headline you need ninety nine percent of the time. Um, but when Drew Brees isn't playing because he has a punctured lung and Jameis Winston is the starter, it, that 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 kind of takes the headline away from, um, you know, the, the punchline that is the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, but, you know, Falcons beat the Saints last year when they didn't have a good record. It's a rivalry game. Uh, it's at home. They're, they're, this, this is as interesting in terms of storyline and curiosity – uh, the fact that you know, the fact that it is the Falcons, this is as interesting a Saints regular season game that I can remember in recent memory, Norm. Nah, one hundred percent. This is gonna be the, the the until Drew Brees comes back. It's a very interesting. You got you know the Saints was just coming off of one of the biggest wins this season, the biggest win of this season, and now kind of the wind and the sails have kind of been deflated until we see a full game from Jameis Winston. Now, me, Norman Locke, Scott, from what my eyes saw, Jameis is who I thought he was, the same Jameis Winston. You know, a lot of people, I don't know what 
football people, I know they must not have played football. You don't get better on the bench. If you're not playing, you don't get better. You can sit there, you can read all of the stats, you can you can uh, watch all the film, you can get all the practice reps, but being on the bench doesn't make you better. And that's what I saw with Jameis Winston. I saw the, the same Jameis Winston. I, I feel like, you know, we know Jameis can throw the ball. He can stretch it out. He can make some really good plays. But we know sometimes he he makes a bonehead plays. So for every good play, it's going to be a bad play. And I, I think that even multiple games going forward with Jameis, we're going to get a good Jameis game. We're going to get a bad Jameis game. We're going to get a good Jameis possession. We're going to get a bad Jameis possession. I think it's going to come out to this defense the Saints defense, if, if the Saints will be able to sustain and win games going forward because that's what the Bucs had to do last season with Jameis. He threw 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. So I think it was kind of the epitome of a good game or a good possession or a bad game or a bad possession. So that's I'm looking for the Saints defense to save them for the rest of this stretch, not Jameis Winston, for sure not Taysom Hill. Uh, I, I think it's got to be a joint effort, but – the defense, like you, you, you don't want to get into a shootout. Um, the defense <laughs> no. has to play their best. Now, look, Jameis is a gunslinger, no doubt. He's also, you know, again, not being judicious with the football is what's made him a backup. He's got an opportunity here over the next month to either earn, you know, just seventy, eighty million dollars, or or just a clipboard again next season. Like that's the the stakes could not be higher. For Jameis Winston. Now, you know, uh, and Taysom Hill. And look, Taysom, I don't, (laughs) he got his $21 million deal. I I already knew what Taysom was before this season. My opinion hadn't changed of him at all. Um, I do think there's a few things different, you know, in terms of Jameis' situation, obviously. One, he's playing with a big lead in terms of the win loss record. Um, You know, two, he's playing with a much better offensive line than he did in Tampa Bay. And three, he does have Sean Payton as his coach. It's not Bruce Arians or, geez, whatever, Dirk Cutter. You know, there's, there's a, that's a big difference there. I mean, you're talking about filet mignon and, you know, a $2 steak from the Vegas Strip. I mean, there's a big difference there. And you go back to, to his time even with your Dallas Cowboys when Sean Payton was there as, as a QB coach and no coordinator, you know, working with Quincy Carter or Vinny Testaverde or Drew Bledsoe or, or Chad Hutchinson. I mean, he had to work with a lot of different QBs when he was there. And Dallas, I mean, Dallas went to the playoffs with Quincy Carter. Dallas did some things with, with Bledsoe. They weren't one of the better teams in the league. But if you go back, altering the game plan for each of those quarterbacks. You know, last year, the Saints offense the game plan was was different when Teddy Bridgewater was the QB. So what does what is Sean Payton's what is his impact on Jameis Winston going to be? That's my big question. I'm I, I don't I'm not going to make anything from what we saw of Jameis last week, but I, I'll put more stock into what we saw him do in Tampa. I'm not going to sit here and act like you know the first five years of his career didn't happen and we didn't see all the turnovers. Um, I, but in terms of what's going to be different with the Saints, what's going to be different with Sean Payton, that's what I'm most anxious to see here. Um, you know, Winston has been in Tampa in an offense dorm. I think you would agree they work more um, high to low, right? Deep down the field, they do that yeah, first vertical. deep to short. With the Saints, it's more short to deep. Is that a good or bad thing? Is that going to change a little bit? Will that help Winston out in terms of some of the turnovers? 
I, I Peyton's Peyton's game plan here and being able to basically work with Winston all week leading up to the game within that game plan. That's why it's going to be a lot different this Sunday than it was when he went in last Sunday. Um, we'll see, man. But but I I think. I, I'm look. You're not going to see Jameis go out there and play at an MVP level or anything. I'm not going to get carried away or, or say anything stupid or crazy. But I won't be surprised if you see a better Jameis Winston you did in Tampa for all the reasons I just mentioned. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you're optimistic. Um, I don't know, like you, I, I'm, I'm. I think that Teddy Bridgewater fit this offense and Sean Payton's game plan a lot better than Jameis Winston will. Uh, Michael Thomas isn't a vertical deep threat type of receiver. It, he's, you know, more short to intermediate routes. Um, Emmanuel Sanders can be a deep threat, but he hasn't been so far. Uh, I don't know if it's because of how his usage is in the offense or it's because of maybe Drew Brees not taking the amount of shots downfield. But what I do know is the Saints can run the ball. The Saints can feed Alvin Kamara. He had two touchdowns last game. Um, three. And Latavius Murray. Three, I'm sorry. Three touchdowns. And um, they can feed Latavius Murray and hope to get the good version of Jameis on certain possessions and limit Jameis to himself. That's that's what I'm looking for. But I don't know. I think once Jameis gets in, just in those few possessions I was watching, Scott, it was just like – Jameis, I could tell the excitement of him getting in and wanting to play, but it was just some plays where, like, the pocket was collapsing. I was just like, these are the plays where Drew Brees just throws the ball away and Jameis is going to take the sack. Well, I'd rather him take a sack than throw a pick. <laughs> just just don't turn it over, man. Um, you know, Saints-Falcons, what's the latest line on this? Saints minus five. Um, I imagine it'd be higher but it's if Breeze was playing, but you know Atlanta offensively, that's the other side of this. They've um, they're the Falcons, so they 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 find ways to creative ways to lose, uh, and yet you know they've won their last two games. They've won three of their last four. The one they lost was by a point where, of course, they blew it in epic fashion. I mean Todd Gurley. <laughs> so, but like, let's say he goes down, you would be talking about a team that's won four in a row, right? I mean, as much yeah. as I, I I I really enjoy hating on the Falcons. Let's God. I mean, if if they weren't the Falcons, they'd probably be, I don't know, uh, five and four instead of three and six because they wouldn't, you know, blow it. But this is a team that puts up 412 yards a game. You know, over you know 305 through the air, over 100 on the ground. Saints are really really good against the run. Got to throw that out there. But like, th- this is a Falcon team coming in here from an offensive standpoint really putting together a lot of stats and and for that matter you know a decent amount of points i think they're averaging 27 a game they're giving up more than that but they're averaging a good bit so throw in the fact that it's a rivalry game getting back to your initial point norm i think so much of it while the focus is going to be on Jameis and breeze not being there and what's the offense going to look like whether the Saints win or lose Sunday, I do think is going to come down to their defense. So I agree with you on that. Okay. And, and I think that's purely what it's, what it's going to be. But um, what are the odds that I called that Drew Brees was going to take a Peyton Manning-esque vacation sometime during the season? I, would, I think I still have the audio. I might have to 
running back. I just, I don't know. I felt it in my bones. I felt he was going to take a little. Well, he's feeling it in his rib bones right now, man. Cause <laughs> yeah. the dude, the, I mean, come on, man. The guy, the guy went and, and, and finished the drive with a, with a punctured lung. That's, that's pretty impressive. And he actually, well, Tony Romo is, did it too. He, Tony Romo he, did it too. He, Tony, a lot of quarterbacks he, have done it. Uh, with a, a lot of quarterbacks with a, with, a, with a punctured lung? Yeah, a lot of quarterbacks have played with broken ribs and punctured lungs. I just don't want don't want the narrative of Drew Brees, Iron Man Drew Brees going around. They have had quarterbacks with broken lungs. Bro, I mean, uh, he did it. Last no, week we were just talking Romo, about Romo. did it. What was it like nine, ten years ago against San Francisco? That was pretty good. Yeah, that like was 2011, I think. And and I've have I ever hated on Tony Romo? No, no, no. I'm just all saying. Right, you know, right, I've been, right, I saw a lot right. of a lot of. Drew Brees, such a you know, are they wrong? Badass for for playing with a punctured lung. Are for they wrong? No, 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 no. I'm just, I just don't want, I don't want to take it to the extreme and think that you know Drew Brees versus Mike Tyson is coming up soon. It's just not going to happen. It's, you know, he's tough, out of boy, Drew. But it wasn't that. It was, you know, no, 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 not no. that. That Tony, Tony Romo did it. It was impressive when he did it. Drew Brees did it. It was impressive as hell when he did it. I mean that, yeesh, bro. You man, but just don't get a painkiller from the uh, the Chargers medical staff. Don't do oh, it. <laughs> do not do it. ESPN1420.com. <laughs> That's Norman Locke. I'm Scott Prather. We're gonna take a quick one minute timeout. We'll be right back with hour number two of the Great Sky Show. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Welcome into the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather, joined by Norman Locke. It's Thursday. He's on with me. Host of the Morning Lock-In Sunday mornings, 8 to 10 a.m., including this Sunday after a weekend where there will be no Raging Cajun football game. Canceled against Central Arkansas. Now, Dr. Maggard was asked yesterday if uh, they you know, could possibly play um, between the last week uh, of the season they're scheduled to play currently and the Sunbelt Conference Championship game. So that would be Saturday, December 12th, and Maggard's exact quote was, uh, my counterpart at UCA and I have not discussed that. So, look, it's it's I, it's probably not going to happen, guys. It's canceled. Uh, 33 players in the program uh, due to COVID issues, about half of which, uh, and I quote, around 50-50, uh, is what Dr. Maggard said in terms of guys that actually tested positive versus close contact and contact tracing. But that's a lot not to have, and uh, they can't practice this week either. They can't get into the facility Saturday at the earliest, and, uh, and, and they still hadn't gotten some of the round of testing back that they did yesterday. So uh, maybe it'll be later than Saturday. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll find out. Time will tell. But with that... Um, you know, LSU plays Arkansas 11 a.m. has not been a good few weeks for LSU. Uh, the very concerning USA Today article that came out 
uh, the play on the field across the board. Uh, you got a number of other college games that are postponed or canceled this week in college football. But the NFL right now, Norm, still to this point has played all of their games or been able to move them and alter bye weeks to get it done with the recent uptick in cases and the Raiders now having like their offensive line out it, it, is, oh, is, it's is the it, entire defense this time is okay the entire defense is there going to be <laughs> is there going to be uh multiple games at least one game that just straight up is not able to be played this year yes because uh with the the changing of the president, I think that we're trending towards another lockdown. That's that's just me. That's my. I'm, I don't know if that's the conspiracy side with me with my aluminum foil on top of my head. I don't know, but I just feel like um, as the cases are rising, I just feel like come January ish, I feel like we might be on a on a on a trend for a lockdown, and what does that mean for the NFL? Um, I don't know. Uh, what is a Super Bowl with ten percent fans or no fans potentially? I don't know. Or no fans, you know. I don't. I don't know. Why would they put a call a, a clause in this year's um, playoff situation to add teams to add extra if, up to an extra two teams? If, if they're not able to finish the season, yeah, they could have finish games. So, teams, so. I, I, I think it's you know it's. More trending that way. Hopefully, it doesn't get that severe. But they are playing without a bubble, and we're seeing more and more cases upticking. So I don't know. I think the NFL, as the se- the season starts to dwindle, I think they should look to developing some type of bubble at in at the individual sites for the team facilities, um, just to try to make it a. a easier on the teams because yeah here, here's where i think they run into an issue i think the nfl is gonna they're gonna get the season in one christmas another, and they're gonna have a super bowl uh it might not be the date it's currently set for but they're gonna get it in one way or another even if they have to miss games big thing is what if it's just once you get to the once the playoffs start if you have even just one team with an overwhelming amount of positives or just a few but an overwhelming amount of contact tracing what do you do if a team can't play in a playoff game do you just push the whole thing back are they forced to forfeit that's the the that is perhaps a a daunting hypothetical is a regular season game whether you got to cancel one and 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 extend the playoffs or whether you got to just move a bye weeks around or just do whatever i think i think that's that's one thing when you start getting to playoff games and then the amount of uh, TV contracts and how much, uh, you know, perhaps ESPN pays because they're guaranteed at least one playoff game and the other networks are as well, that's where things start start getting kind of dicey once you roll around to January the 10th and beyond and through the Super Bowl. So, uh, But I do think the NFL is going to get the season in one way or another, whether it's a bubble, whether it's having to – whatever it might be. You know, I mean, in 82, they had a strike season, and they, I think they had, you know, more than half the league in the playoffs. They only played nine regular season games, but they got it in no matter what. And now with the stakes being even higher from a financial standpoint, I think the NFL is going to get it in no matter what. Yeah, I think they're going to get it in no matter what. It's just, um, 
How, I guess? Yeah, yeah we'll find out. All right, 269-1077. Phone lines are open, 269-1077. I'm Scott Prather. That's Norman Locke. Let's head to the phone lines right now. Welcome into the show. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Okay, touch on a couple of things real quick. Uh, lockdown, nationwide lockdown will never happen. Americans, we're just a little bit too selfish to be worried about other people. So nationwide lockdown will never happen. Uh, the NFL season still been all the games. And greed, greed runs the NFL, as we know. And so they'll get every game in, even though they have to get guys off the street. So and so. Um, I hate to see Drew Holiday leave the Pels. So, um, and I, I don't know if we can get a good replacement for him. It definitely won't be Gordon. Gordon was here once before, and he didn't get so. Um, I, it, it'll be tough without him. Because you know, we've got JJ there, but I think Drew was also the glue that kept the team, you know, kept the team in check. That that, that veteran player presence that we need. So that's about it. He will be missed. Appreciate the call. Yeah, I mean, no doubt, uh, Drew Holiday, one of the more beloved players in franchise history, and. Uh, he he, you know, behind the scenes, there were there were some teams. He didn't come out and say, this according to reports, I will definitely sign an extension wherever you trade me. He didn't say that. He did say there are some teams I definitely won't, and there are other teams I might. And and he had a list, and Milwaukee was one that he might, and the trade happened. So, you know, I think the Pels were trying to do right by him. Uh, while also, you know, I mean, but but Drew never took it public, right? It was all kind of done behind closed doors. It was in unison. Um, maybe he didn't want to be traded, but said, okay, well, if you are going to trade me, here's, you know, wh- where would you like to go? Well, here's some places I, I probably won't sign. Any- all of that being said, just kind of that, you know, working working together within the context of the team and the player. Um, and, and Drew just being, you know, the player he was, the guy he was, the defender he was, giving back to the community, the story that he went through with his wife. Um, you know, it's it's only two playoff appearances during his whole time with the team. Granted, you're talking about a franchise without a very rich history, but uh, but but Drew's, um, you know, one of the more beloved, maybe the most beloved player in the history of that team. Yeah, nah, he's for sure loved. He just recently gave back, um, started a, a scholarship fund at, at my former high school at St. Augustine, and he's going to pay for, I want to say, two kids a year tuition uh, to go to St. Aug. So it's like, you know, you, he announced that yesterday after the trade. <laughs> it's like, you know, you don't have to do that, Drew, but thank you. You know, so it just shows how much the New Orleans community means to, to, to Drew Holiday. And I can say, you know, Probably after he's done playing in the NBA, he's probably going to come back and move to New Orleans. You think so? Uh, I think I think he's L.A. for life no matter what. I mean, that's where he grew up and he has a second home. But maybe he has that second home in New Orleans. I guess when you make that kind of cheddar, you can do that, right? Yeah, you could. You know, New Orleans is the part pre 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 Corona party city. So it's just like you know, you want to have a little vacation spot in the South to get away. Especially when California has so many things happening in California. You know, sometimes you might want to come out and come get your beignets or two. Uh, he drew a uh, a good guy and um, 
you know, I think the fact that he's in the East and he's from Milwaukee, you know, when they're in the playoffs next year, I imagine a lot of Pels fans will be rooting for him. And then yeah, three or four years from now, when they have the rights to the Bucks' first round pick, if Drew's still there, they'll be rooting for him and against everyone else on the team, right? <laughs> That's the mindset of the Yeah, fans. and I'm glad that they sent him to the East. Um, didn't want to compete against Drew in the West. And hopefully, you know, Drew can compete for a championship with the Bucks. And if Drew was to win a championship, you know, I think Pelicans fans are celebrated. You know, you know, we ain't, you know Pelicans fans ain't celebrated when Anthony Davis won with the Lakers. Um, so uh, looking forward to this Bucks season. I think the Bucks have a nice roster. I like their starting five. I like that they revamped their roster in order to try to get Giannis yeah. to They're doing whatever sign they can. Extension. If he doesn't sign his extension, they gave up a whole lot of sets, but they're going all in for that. And uh, I'm hoping it works out for him. We'll see. ESPN 1420.com. If you're just tuning in, we've talked Cajun hoops, Cajun football, Rage Cajun men's and women's hoops. Uh, talked about. Uh, the Saints quite a bit, Drew Brees, Jameis Winston, uh, the NBA draft, the Pels, uh, and phone lines are open for you at 269-1077. Also told you guys about the Seize the Deal holiday auction right now, right? Holidays are coming up. I know a lot of us are pretty strapped right now for cash. How do you get a good gift, affordable gift? Best chance to do it is the Seize the Deal holiday auction. You can click on holiday auction at our website, ESPN1420.com, or on the ESPN1420 app. You'll see it scrolling on the What's Hot bar. That'll take you there. And just, you know, whether you want to kick pests to the curb, a gift certificate for professional pest control or termite treatments from Raging Pest Elimination, maybe that's just a gift for you. Maybe you want to give a gift to someone else in your life that's special, a beautiful piece of jewelry. You can get the perfect one, whether it be a $1,000, a $1,500, a $2,500 gift certificate to Armentor's Jeweler. Other jewelers as well. The Lanes is on there as well. And and here's the deal. When it sees the deal, you're talking about bids. So right now, $1,500 gift certificate from Armitage Jeweler or The Lanes Fine Jewelry, I think a $1,200 gift certificate. The bid for that right now is $500. Maybe you put in the bid. Maybe that's it. Maybe you get it. Now you're able to get something, you know, save $750 and get a really nice piece of jewelry or multiple pieces for that special person in your life for the holidays. There's all kind of other good stuff there as well. Go check it out. The holiday auction ends this Friday at 7 p.m., so you don't want to wait too long. Make sure you get in there and get it done. ESPN1420.com, Scott Prather, Norman Locke, host of the Morning Lock in with us. Norm, we uh, we didn't get to um, – we haven't talked NFL yet outside of the Saints specifically – but uh, taking a look at the schedule this week, there is a really big game tonight. Seattle, Arizona. Likely going yes, to probably going to decide the NFC West. Is that fair to say? I shouldn't say that because the Rams are kind of sneaky pretty good <laughs> right now. So uh, maybe maybe nothing decide the NFC West, but I think goes a long way into determining whether these two teams have a shot to win it. I think the loser tonight has way too much ground to make up and likely is a wild card come playoff time unless they get the win this evening. Yeah, I think it does. Uh, I think your first statement, I can agree with, it does kind of determine who's going to win the NFC West just because the Cardinals already have one win over the Seahawks. So if they go out and close out this game versus the Seahawks, the Seahawks can't win the division um, at least over the Cardinals. All the Cardinals have to do is go out there and finish up the job against the 49ers 
And then also, even if they split with the Rams, they still probably will come out the division winner. So I think this game is uh, the statement game. It is going to tell us whether the Seahawks are believable going forward as contenders uh, for the in the playoffs and the Super Bowl. And Arizona, is Kyler Murray this year's MVP? Because Russell Wilson has thrown, I want to say, five to six interceptions in the last three games. So I think he's kind of taking a step down in the MVP race. But Kyler Murray's numbers right now today uh, are better than Lamar Jackson's numbers last year as to this date. So if he was to stay on pace, I think we are, we might be looking at our future MVP tonight for the Arizona Cardinals. I think for him to be in that mix, it also has to do with record. Right, so they got to keep winning. Yes, they win the division, and and they're they're then yeah, there's there's a strong chance there. I think um, for Seattle, you know, from an offensive standpoint, they've put together a lot more points than any other team in the division. From a defensive standpoint, they've given up a lot more points than any other team in their division. It, it's while Wilson, you're right, has has not played great the last few weeks. Uh, you get the sense that he kind of has to do so much because that Seattle defense just and getting it done. So what do they do to Kyler Murray tonight? I think they just go balls to the wall, blitz a ton, and just try to constantly put pressure and take a lot of risks. I don't think they're going to sit back and just, you know, play a base defense um, because I think they know that that's not going to work. Going all out, being ultra-aggressive, that might not work either, but I, I think they know that their best odds tonight are probably going to be to just get a lot of pressure. And I think, look, Arizona's defense – they're not exactly, you know, you, you see the names like Patrick Peterson and they've got some players and Buda Baker, but they've given up 210 points this year. They've given up a, a, not as much as Seattle, but it's not like they have one of the better defenses in the league. So Thursday night football, short week, going to be wild, but I'm expecting a lot of points in this one tonight, Norm. The over-under in this game is um, 57, and I'm taking the over. Yeah, nah, I'm with you. I could take the over just because, you know, I'm, I'm okay with giving Russell Wilson 21 points. You know, I, I could start off with giving the Seattle Seahawks 21 points just with the explosiveness of their offense, especially if Chris Carson plays. I can, I'm okay with giving the Seahawks 21 points. But at the same time, DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, it's, it, right now it's looking like you got to give Kyler Murray at least a touchdown on, on the ground. <laughs> Because the guy is like, I don't know if you ever seen that video that kind of trends on Twitter with the little kid running around the the uh, the pool with the knife and the mom screams out, hey, buddy, what do you have there? It's like, it's a knife. And he takes off running. It's, that's Kyler Murray every time he has the ball. You have to get it away from him because he's completely dangerous with it. And the read option, the play action. The deep ball placement is this kid is amazing, uh, man. Is here's, here's why I think if Arizona loses tonight, they they're a wild card because they they play next week at New England, and I know that it's not your typical Patriots, but we saw them beat Baltimore last week, and they. And my point is, when you look at the schedule at Patriots, then the Rams, they had the Rams two more times on their schedule. Um, they, they go to New York against the Giants. Okay, that's not necessarily difficult, though the Giants might win that pathetic division that is the NFC East. But compare it to Seattle, right? After tonight's game, they get the Eagles, the Giants, the Jets, and the Washington football team. Then they get the Rams at home, then, then, the, then the Niners. 
Like their their schedule moving forward is a lot more. You know, the Arizona's got some games that aren't particularly difficult, but they've got a lot more games that they're not going to be favored in than Seattle does. Two against the Rams as well, who are going to be in the mix for the division, especially if they can upset Tampa Monday night. That's a big one because for the Rams, you know, they they've got the Cardinals twice, they've got the Seahawks, they also have the Jets, but like. The Rams and Cardinals, the rest of their schedules are more difficult than Seattle. So even though Seattle's lost three of the last four, if they win tonight, Norm, I think they win this division and get to host a playoff game. That's how big tonight's game is for both of these teams because the loser, you can forget about winning the NFC West if you lose tonight. Yeah, but I'm going to go ahead and, you know, I told you in the beginning of this season that Madden doesn't lie to me. The Arizona Cardinals are going to win this West. I told you last week that I'm more into the Arizona Cardinals on being contenders than these Seattle Seahawks. And three weeks ago, I told you I ain't believe these bozos because the defense was worse than the Dallas Cowboys defense. And I'm sticking to it. So you like you like Arizona tonight by how many? I like Arizona. It's, it's, it's going to be close. I like Arizona by seven. I like Arizona by seven. It's not that close. Not in the NFL in terms of picks. Uh, I'm going to take Seattle tonight, and we will see who comes out victorious. Uh, Norman Locke, Scott Prather, ESPN 1420 and 269-1077. You can email as well, scott at ESPN 1420.com. If you missed any of the show earlier, covered a lot of hoops last hour, both college and pro. Uh, talked a good bit about the Saints uh, you can catch the show on demand via the Great Scott Show podcast, Anchor, Spotify, and some of your other podcast platforms. We usually send out the links on Twitter as well. All right, a couple of other games uh, looking at this schedule. Um, Cleveland and Philly. All right, the Browns are 6-3. and three. They're 6-3, and three, but, you know, their wins this year are against Cincinnati, Dallas, Washington, the Texans by three. You know, their one solid win this year is probably the Colts, even though the Colts' offense is bad. Their defense is really good. They put 32 on them, so that's worth saying something. But, you know, they got blown out by the Ravens, blown out by the Steelers. They lost to the Raiders. Here's what here's what Cleveland has coming up. They got Philly, then they have Jacksonville, then Tennessee, then Baltimore, then the Giants and Jets, then the Steelers, who by the time you get to Week 17 might have everything locked up. I is it must win for Cleveland even at six and three with seven teams in the playoffs? Is this a must win against Philly if they want to actually be a playoff team this year? I wouldn't say a must win just because, if I'm not mistaken, they have the same record as the Ravens. Um, so I wouldn't say this one is a must win. But if they want to stay competitive with the Ravens and maybe up upseed them for that number two seat. It is a must win, but I don't. I don't well, consider no, they're not it. Be a, you mean you mean just finishing in second in the in their division? Finishing in second. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, finishing in yeah. second in the division. Um, but so I don't consider it a must win just because the Ravens are still trying to figure out their identity on offense right now. Just I watched that Patriots game, and even if you watched all the games for the 49ers, I mean not the 49ers, the uh, Baltimore Ravens right now. What is their identity? You know, last year we, was go- we were able to say they run the football, they throw to their tight ends, Lamar Jackson read options, unstoppable. 
this year, I can't say it's the same. I don't know what the identity of their offense is, Scott. So I, I don't know. I'm kind of leaning off the Ravens. If the Browns can win this one, and and the Ravens are on bye week, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they can start trending to that number two seed in the division. Baltimore, uh, Baltimore hosts Tennessee, so they're uh, they're playing this okay. week, and uh, and that's a big one because that's those teams game. are uh, Tennessee's that's a, that's also a must win. Three. Between the Raiders, the Dolphins, the 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 second place finisher in the AFC South, whether that's the Colts or the Titans, the Browns, the Ravens, you know, Buffalo, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, that's that's three two one right there. Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Buffalo, one two three. Maybe Kansas City gets to one. We'll see. But that's after that, it's kind of like four, five, six, seven. You've got five teams for those spots, and I. I <laughs> five teams, rather, for uh, for those four spots. So is Cleveland the odd man out? Is Tennessee the odd man out? Uh, or is the Colts, depending on? I don't know. But but I think Cleveland can't afford to lose a game uh, to Philadelphia, who's just a bad football team, but every now and then just, you know, like they did against Sanford's, every now and then we'll just put together a really good game. Is that one of those weeks? I don't know. But Carson Wentz hasn't been good in like two and a half years. Um, and Cleveland coming off of the – did they just stick to the run? Because I, I feel like the weather gods are helping the Browns because they're making the weather horrendous <laughs> and it forces them to run the ball, which is what they do well instead of going out there and trying to sling it around with Baker Mayfield. Um, and if they stick to the ground game, then I think they come away victorious here. So I um, I can't believe it, but I, I, I'm picking the Browns to win this game. Who's your pick? Yeah, you know, I'm not picking Carson Wentz. He stinks. Uh, I'm going to pick the Browns and Nick Chubb and that, that powerful offensive line that they have. Um, like you said, limit limit Baker Mayfield from himself and his commercials, and they should win this football game. But I'm not I'm not picking Car- Carson Wentz stinks. He really hadn't been good in like in, in, in two years. I mean, he hadn't. It's yeah, been and I, the last two he, years. He just hasn't. He hasn't been good. Every now and then he'll have a game, and it's like, oh wow, that was impressive. Every now and then, but it is so inconsistent and not worth trusting whatsoever. Yeah, I'm ready for Jalen Hurts. I'm ready for uh, to see what's next for the Eagles at the quarterback position, just because. Wentz just like you said uh, after that that uh, towards ACL after the ACL injury he just doesn't look the same I don't know what what it is but obviously they got Josh McCown for that reason so I'm, I'm picking the Browns right. in this one um, Saints Falcons I mean it's the Saints and Falcons I'm I'm taking the Saints I'm 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 not taking the Saints in this one Scott uh, I have to see what the Saints offense going to look like with Jameis Winston at the Helms with Taysom Hill taking less snaps because he is now officially the, the second string quarterback. So I can't see him being the bruising running back or punt gunner that he's usually and that he got paid for. Uh, I, I, I want to I have to see what the Saints is going to look like. So I, I, I have a lot of questions. So I'm, I'm going to roll with the Falcons. But the Falcons are probably going to falcon it up. But I'm, I'm going to roll with them. Yeah, you, you, you. You're, you're, you go ahead and go out on that limb. Um, Washington football <laughs> team against uh, the Bengals in a game that no one listening is going to watch. No. Uh, hopefully Joe Burrow doesn't get attacked viciously by that <laughs> great defensive of line of yeah. <laughs> Washington. 
But hopefully the Bengals, T. Higgins, they find a way to win. I think the Bengals win this game. Please pray for Joe Burrow. I uh, can't believe it, but I I think Washington's going to win. Carolina hosts the Lions. And uh, Carolina a little beat up right now. Yeah, P.J. Walker will be, I think that's his name, uh, played in uh, the Arena Football League. He's he's starting for the Panthers. No Christian McCaffrey, no wins. I can't, I can't pick the Panthers to win this one. I'm going to have to go with the Lions. All right, ESPN1420 and .com, yeah. I, I've somehow... Uh, this might be a first. I have picked the Browns, Washington football team, and Lions to win games this weekend. I don't know what's come over me. Um, Jacksonville and Pittsburgh, no need to analyze here. We'll take the Steelers. Baltimore and Tennessee. This is a show-me-prove-it gut-check game for both of these teams, is it not? Both. I'm taking the Ravens at home. Um, you know, they they've just they're still a good football team, but you know, Lamar going on with Rich Eisen saying, look, defenses know what we're doing right now. We need to change some things. I think, you know, you've got a lot more film, a lot more on this team uh, in terms of knowing, okay, they're bringing out three tight ends, two tight end personnel, that personnel. You know, teams have a better understanding of what to expect from Baltimore. And having said that, they're still good. I mean, they're still 6-3. and three. They still have some good wins this year. They almost beat Pittsburgh a few weeks ago. Couldn't do it. Monday night wasn't great. I get it. But uh, that was pretty nasty weather. But, you know, this is a team that I, I the, the next two weeks, you mentioned you're not, you're not sold on Baltimore being a playoff team. It comes down to these next two weeks. Titans and then at Pittsburgh. They lose both of those. I, I think you're right. I think you could forget about the playoffs, although – the back end of their schedule is really easy. And one thing we've seen Baltimore do is beat teams they're supposed to beat by a good bit. You know, they got Cle- they got Dallas, they got the Jags, the Giants, and the Bengals on the back end of their schedule. But uh, but having said that, you fall to 6-5. and five. I-, I-, I don't think it matters that the back end of your schedule is easy. you got to win one of these two. I think they're winning on Sunday. Who's your pick, Tennessee-Baltimore? Yeah. For some odd reason, I I I think I want to pick Tennessee just because I I know they got a bad defense. What I'm though. getting from you getting a really they, bad, they defense a bad defense in Tennessee defense. and and the worst special teams in football. I, That's another thing. But what are you getting with the Ravens? You know, it's a mystery box, and I I rather go with the ground and pound game of Derrick Henry, um, AJ Brown, and Ryan Tannehill. Then I don't even know what trio to, to 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 say on the offense with the Baltimore Ravens. Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson, and Willie Sneed. Come on now, <laughs> Willie Sneed. <laughs> and Willie Sneed, like I I can't I can't do it. I lo- I love Lamar Jackson. I, I like Baltimore. I know that they have a a, a good defense, but I'm I'm gonna pick Tennessee because I know what I'm gonna get on the offensive side of the football. I, uh, I'm going to pick Baltimore because I know what I'm going to get on the defense and special team side of the football for Tennessee. Um, Houston and the Patriots, uh, the Texans are bad. Patriots, they, they are giving their fans a false sense of hope that they might actually make the playoffs. They're not, but uh, they're not going to go lose at Houston, are they? 
think they do, Scott. I Man, think we, they we are, do. Are, I think they do. All right, we, I, I'm gonna, I got to keep tabs of all these picks because we are not on the same page on any of these. So, um, no. You like the, the Texans straight up. I like the Texans Why? winning against the Patriots in this game. I think that the oh, let me look at this this Patriot Texans injury report right quick while it's looking at me. But I, I think that I think that the Texans are going to are going to match up uh, against this this team and play better than this Patriots team. I, I know Bill Belichick comes in, but like why? And he's Mr. Scheme Master. Every dog has a day, and I, I really feel like the Texans' dog is today against the Patriots, and the Patriots, they, they move the ball so so tough. Like, it, it takes a lot for them to get a 10-yard, a, a I mean, like a 10-yard, 10-play drive going on. Like, it's it's a grueling drive when you play the Patriots, and for some odd reason, I just feel like the Texans are going to be able to score points. All right. Um I'm going to go with uh, the uh, obviously the Patriots. Denver hosts Miami. The Dolphins are good, Norm. The Dolphins defense is Yeah, really I'm rolling good. the Dolphins. They're really Drew good. Locke, Drew Locke is some doo-doo. D- d- defense, <laughs> you know defense why? He doesn't drills. have an E. He doesn't have an E on a, the if end he, of his last name. If he had an name. E, you'd probably have his jersey. You'd be all about it. You'd be like, oh, no, he's good in the fourth quarter. That's all that matters. They had a, they had a, uh, a Vikings kicker. Name Locke with an E. I didn't get his jersey. Um, well, I mean that's because he was a kicker, Norm. Come on. I mean, yeah, how many well, kicker I mean, jerseys are uh, for sale? I mean, why? You know, it's, it's who? It, how, that is true. Who but heck, I would, was he there for like a day? I don't remember this guy. Um, what was his name? Let me see. All right, Jeff Locke. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no clue. Don't remember him at all. Um, all right, let's see. Um, he was a punter. Oh, punter. He played at UCLA. Oh, well, that's totally different. Punter, a punter. I mean, come on. Like the Vikings. All right, yeah. let's let's move on. Um, number eighteen, though. He had a swag number. The Jets trying to get their first win. The Chargers uh, in, uh, in in Justin Herbert's new haircut are hosting the Jets. I'm taking the Chargers. The Jets are. Getting close, but uh, but they're not gonna. They're, they're just not gonna do it. I'll take the Chargers in this one. Yeah, I'm taking the haircut. All right, I'm taking the haircut. Let's see here. We've got Indianapolis at home with that defense against the Green Bay Packers. This is sneaky. Is this is this the best game on the schedule uh, for Sunday? I think Rams Bucks. Well, that's Monday night. Oh, you say for Sunday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You say for Sunday? Um, n- uh, yeah, for Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Is either going to be that or the Titans Ravens? All right. I. Uh, uh, so, who do you like in this one? The Colts are weird, man. Uh, their defense is, Devontae, is really good, though. Is Devontae Parker playing? Devontae Adams. I mean, I'll say Devontae Parker. Devontae Adams. Yeah. If Devontae Adams is playing, I'm taking Green Bay. If he is not playing. I'm taking the Colts. Devontae Adams says uh, on his ankle injury, it's definitely not 911. It's something we have to pay attention to for sure. He has yet to promise whether or not he's going to play versus the Colts, but said that's the idea. Uh, we will see. This is a big one. I, I think it's a look. Green Bay's safely in the play. I'm I'm taking I'm taking the Colts here in like a, a one or two point game. I think this thing goes down to the wire. Who you got? 
and I, I, I'm on the fence. I got if he plays, if Adams plays, I got the Packers. Well, you got. If he you doesn't gotta make, play the coach. You got. You got to make a pick today. We got. You got to. I'm locking all these in today. Well, today with no Adams, of course, no Adams. I have to. I have to pick. No, no. Coach. I'm just saying no outs. Whoever you pick today, whether he plays or not, that's who you got to roll with. I'm keeping tabs here, Norm. We're gonna. We're gonna revisit this I'm, next week. I'm, I'm going to have to pick the coach because if he doesn't know if he's going to play today and today's Thursday, then that's not good. All right. So um, let's see here. We've got both of us on Indy. All right. Uh, don't tell Greg. Minnesota and your Cowboys. Huh. I'm picking my Cowboys, Scott. It's been a long time. Every dog has his day. It might not be Sunday, but it could be Sunday. So I'm is we we go re, this redemption Sunday. Nope, Minnesota wins. Uh, <laughs> Minnesota wins this thing. Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be the Vikings, and they're 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 going a little mini run here. They're gonna start feeling good about themselves, and their schedule is gonna get difficult, and they're gonna disappoint their fan base. But they're gonna win on Sunday. Uh, Sunday night, Kansas City and the Raiders, who are just so beat up. Who you got? I mean, so beat up. Uh, I shouldn't say beat up, but they, they're they're short-handed. They beat Kansas City earlier yes. this year, and the game's yes, in Vegas. Did. And if they win, I mean, they're only a game back and on the tiebreaker on Kansas City. They're not going to win. No, this is Kansas City. No, play. no, they, their entire starting defense isn't playing, Scott. The the entire starting defense has to has to sit, and everybody moves up in the depth chart, and it's going against Patrick Mahomes. And Tyreek Hill and them, yeah. Give me, give me the, give, give, let me, let me bet. Is sports betting legal yet? <laughs> Depends where you are. Uh, there's some places online you can go. Uh, all right, uh, Monday night, Tampa Bay and the Rams. This one is, uh, this one's intriguing to me. I, I think we're in for a good game here. I'm kind of going back and forth. Try to sell me on one side or the other right now. Because yesterday I was leaning Tampa Bay. Today I'm leaning a little more toward the Rams. What are you, where are you going here? Well, you, you when you have Aaron Donald, uh, anything is possible. You know, it's kind of like having Michael Jordan. Anything is possible with Aaron Donald. And we saw against the Saints that the Bucks. And Tom Brady, when there is pressure, whether it's coming from the cornerback position with the safety, with the safety or corner slot blitzes, whether it's coming up the middle, with um you oh um, in yada, or whether it's coming from the ends with Cam Jordan or Trey Hendrickson, the Bucks have a problem when Tom Brady gets pressure. He he doesn't like to throw off his platform. He doesn't like to move around in the pocket. And Rams could give the Bucks that type of problem. Uh, Monday, but on the flip side of things, the Bucks' offense and their defense is better than the Rams, so the Bucks could tighten it, tighten the defense up on the Rams and suffocate their offense because their offense isn't explosion based, isn't isn't explosion based as it used to be when they had Cooks, Robert Woods, and and Ty Gurley. So it could be a low scoring defensive game. Are the Bucks to really blow it out? The Bucks' offensive line is just such a weakness, um, and the Rams' defensive line just—that's their strength. And and again, yeah. you get pressure on Brady, and forget about it. So, who who are you picking here, Norm? I'm rolling with the Bucks, man. 
I'm rolling with the Bucks right. right now. On the, right. uh, this help, will, this just, will be you a just, You just help me out. I'm definitely taking the Rams then. Uh, so let's go. Of the 14 games, we are uh, we uh, agree on half and disagree on the other half, and we will revisit this next week for uh, for bragging rights and the fact that it's a uh, an odd number unless there's a tie in a game. We will uh, we will have a which, they, which they have had. Oh shoot, me and Greg at the time. Let's let's not let's not hope for that. ESPN 1420.com. I'm Scott Prather. That is Norman Locke. When we come back. We will uh, revisit what unfolded last night for the Pels in the draft. Talk a little Cajun hoops as well. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show rolls on right after this. Oh, come on again. Stop your favorites welcome back into the great scott show norman Locke, scott pray they're coming at you on a thursday norman will be back um tomorrow tomorrow from parts unknown and sunday as well be on tomorrow with greg sunday morning 8 a.m to 10 a.m there are 15 games in college football that were either canceled or postponed for this weekend due to covid19 uh, issues one of them the game at Cajun Field between nationally ranked Louisiana and Central Arkansas. Yesterday it was announced 33 players in the program uh, were in the COVID-19 safety protocol. That's a combination of contact tracing, isolation, quarantine, recovering cases. And, um, you know, Dr. Maggard said of those 33, the amount that tested positive was about 50-50, around 50-50. Um they also had not had the results back from their uh, their testing that they did Wednesday, which they do every week. So it was from some earlier testing. And, uh, you know, Dr. Maggie said, look, obviously we're disappointed. And um, in the meantime, Rage of Cajun men's and women's basketball had to delay the start of the season uh, because of some COVID-19 issues at Xavier of New Orleans, the Cajun's opening opponent uh, next Wednesday at the Cajun Dome. The men's game is uh, canceled and the women's game as well because of uh, some COVID-19 tracing issues within their own program. Their game on Wednesday to open up the season uh, against Loyola is uh, is not happening. Or, excuse me, against UNO is not happening. And their game the following Monday against Loyola isn't happening. So right now the women are scheduled to begin their season on Friday, December 4th, when they host North Texas. And the men's season is scheduled to begin Saturday, November 28th, uh, against Loyola of New Orleans. So as of now, that's the rundown there. Uh, some bookkeeping for you. Before we uh, give some bookkeeping on the Pels, real quick, Norm, we got a little bit more into it last hour, but 
Uh, a, a quick recap. You're really high on both UL men and women's teams this year. You think they're going to have really big seasons? Of the yes, Sun I Belt? am. Yes, I am. I, I, I'm excited for them. Have they announced anything about uh, fans? Uh, it'll be in conjunction with, uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it very limited. I think it's under, you know, uh, it's, it's percentage of the Cajun Dome and spread apart. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be, it's not going to be much. So fans are allowed. As of now for games, yes, in conjunction, but they got to wear masks and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I just know we, I didn't read it anywhere. And then we didn't. Yeah. Dr. Maggard talked about it on uh, my show last week and, uh, Folks want to go back and hear it. They can hear it on demand, just like they can hear today's show on demand. Uh, lines are lit up. We don't have time to um, take any more calls as we're up against it. But in closing, the Pels drafted uh, Kyra Lewis last night. They're going to be making some moves in coming days. And, Norm, the amount of draft capital they have now moving forward, um, you know, let's say uh, they got a first next year. If theirs, they have Cleveland and Washington second. Uh, they can swap with the Bulls in the second if they want. 2022, they have their first, the Lakers first, their second, Cleveland and Utah second. In 2023, they can swap with the Lakers if they want in the first round. They have Denver's first pick if it's outside of the lottery. Washington second, their own second. In 2024, they have swap rights with the Bucks. the Lakers first, which if they want to defer that to 2025, they can. Their own second, Charlotte second. In 2025, they have their first, the Bucks first, possibly the Lakers first, their own second. In 2026, they have their first, they have swap rights with the Bucks. their second. And in 2027, they have their first, the Bucks first, and their own second. That's a lot of draft capital. They're not going to be drafting players with all those, but it allows David Griffin to uh, make some moves, right? Could you? Could your could your son possibly be a draft pick by the Pelicans by the, by the time by the time with all these picks come around? Could he uh, he's gonna end have to be being... a lot. He's gonna have to be a lot taller than me, Norm. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe so somebody uh, somebody one of these listeners' kids could possibly end up being a Pelicans draft pick come twenty twenty seven. You never know how amount of picks that we got. Norm, appreciate you, man. We're uh, we're up against it. You can catch Norm tomorrow on with Greg in the afternoon. You can catch him um, Sunday morning, 8 a.m. We'll talk to you then, my friend, all right? All right. Go, go Tony Romo. What? Get out of here. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Steve Pelliquin is next with Beyond the Game. It's ESPN 1420. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow morning. <laughs>